The thing is, the Surya Narayan article claims that uh, if you read the whole article, you will find that out of 122 pottery, only four showed evidence of milk use. That means the Harappa people did not use milk, did not drink milk. Because and therefore, and therefore, by implication, it means that possibly they were not able to digest it. That's why they were not consuming it. Now, another article says that this gene came to India from Europe, 2012 article, which I discussed. If you mix both the results from Suri Narayan and from Romero et al. earlier article, you can say that after the end of Harappa civilization, this gene came to India from Europe with Aryan invasion. But unfortunately, ancient DNA studies have ruled out any such possibilities because they have proved that this particular gene reached Europe quite late. Namaskar and uh, a lot of thanks for giving me opportunity to do this presentation and uh, let me start my uh, presentation with this powerpoint and uh, it is my picture and uh, let me start with a small introduction of mine the question which we are going to answer today is did harappans eat beef now some time back there was news that somebody had published an article that the indus valley civilization had preference for beef or meat heavy diet and there were such many such news the article was written by Akshayta Surya Narayan, who is a PhD student, and she has got very good academic circle in the Cambridge University. Now, her article was published in a reputed journal, which was titled Lipid Residues in Pottery from the Indus Civilization in Northwest India. And uh, one of the co-authors was Vasant Shinde also, who is also a very reputed uh, doyen of Indus Valley uh, civilization history. In fact, he was, you can see in the bottom, he was one of the co-authors of a very reputed science journal article. So what they did, they collected 172 pottery shreds and uh, from different sites, which are marked by white dots in this uh, figure. And uh, some of the examples of the pottery are shown in this picture they were 
neck uh, jars like ghada and some of them were perforated the fat in the pottery was extracted with chemical techniques and uh, so now we will examine what they wrote the results they found that the saturated medium chain fatty acids dominated by palmitic acid was present there and a good amount and this is generally present in butter fat but they found that most of the samples also contained odd chain fatty acids like carbon 15 carbon 17 etc and 69 samples contained branched chain fatty acids so they said they cited dutch experiment and they said that it was typical of ruminant fats now let us understand what are the ruminants ruminants are those animals who ruminate like cattle buffalo goat sheep deer gazelle nilgai etc that had done an experiment in 1998 he writes over what he did actually he took some fat butter fat and put it underground in soil soaked in this thing uh, some terracotta pottery earthenware and they found that over a short time the distribution of lipid components of milk transformed into a distribution more closely resembling that of adipose fat adipose fat means meat fat so the last line of the quoted paragraph reads this experiment confirms that selective decay of milk lipids leads to a distribution of fatty acids resembling that of adipose fat so they made it clear that if we find meat fat in archaeological specimens it could be most probably butter fat which has changed over time due to bacterial activity but uh, these authors misquoted this uh, experiment by dad and claimed that this uh, dad meant that it was a animal fat originally animal fat this is the dad's article so it is a clear example of misquoting and uh, another page we can see on page 8 of this article it writes that none of the vessel fragments analyzed had any sooting or charring marks sooting means black carbon deposits on pottery which is very common so no soot found from the pottery this means that the pots used were mainly for storage or melting of ghee and were exposed to heat for only a short time they were not exposed to smoke or a stove for a long time second thing is that cooking of meats in earthen pottery certainly results in sticking in the bottom and charring 
of meat and spices in the bottom. So these things are not found in these pottery. They themselves write that means these people, Harappans, must have used copper and bronze pots like karahi for cooking meat. And they were not using these, these pottery. These were probably storage jars for ghee or butter. It is uh, very simple to understand that uh, the earthen pottery can crack while handling and cooking meat. And the whole thing will fall into the stove and get wasted. So most likely they were using the bronze pots and the bronze pots. And the assumption by these authors is misplaced. This is some example of uh, from other sites, the pottery which have been found. So they say that the most of the pottery were ghat type and jars and low neck jars and also some were leg jars. The entire pottery finding that is no suiting and charring and narrow neck pots along with the lipid findings uh, in light of Dutch experiment. It indicates that the Harappa civilization is spreading from Sindh and Gujarat in the south up to Haryana, Punjab, Kashmir and Afghanistan in the north was a huge hub of butter ghee product production and possibly export. Out of the 122 pottery studied, seven pottery pieces were perforated jars. Now you can see on the right side, this is a intact perforated jar found from Harappa. And this type of jar was used for saving cheese. Even today in Haryana, paneer is made very commonly, and this type of jar cannot be used for cooking meat. So they should have excluded the, this type of seven samples from the study. We can say that the study was badly botched up. They included the perforated jars in the study and they reported that it, these ones yielded a lipid which profiled as non-ruminant meat fat how it was possible. Non-ruminant means pig, chicken, horse, fish, cat, dog, etc. So perforated jars, which we all can understand, were used for sieving cheese, yielded lipids, which in the, uh, their study was something like pig or chicken fat. So definitely the, the study was defective. Another defect which I found was that one page nine, they write that 60% of the vessels contained non-ruminant fat. And on page six, they write that 56% contained ruminant fats, ruminant animal fat. So total becomes more than 100%. So the calculation part, was not done properly. Some leg jars were also kept in the study, which cannot be used for anything other than storage. Now we come to a more solid evidence. 
that is cut marks were found absent from buffalo and cattle bones surinarayan et al referred to an article by chase and they should not have referred to this article at all actually so i went into the details of the article and studied and i found that the study noted that out of the total 1578 bones of large animals only 21 bones had cut marks that means the animals were just buried after death rather than butchered because butchering process i confirm this with uh, uh, one of my friends who eats beef and he confirmed to me that the large the pieces of the beef are so large that there is no pot in which they can be cooked the ribs etc and they need to be cut into smaller pieces but incidentally harappan bones of buffalo buffalo and cattle do not show cut marks this is a picture from chase's study in which they show that there was only one cut outside the city out of the 443 bones and inside the city it was 21 uh, cut marks on vertebra now it is possible that these cut marks could have been produced accidentally while skinning the removing the skin from these cattle before burying or it is also possible that some body might be eating buffalo uh, particularly the foreigners who came there for trading from middle east and state in the larger cities but this 21 out, out of this much shows that definitely uh, beef was not a desired food now they the study did not include or did not study the cattle or buffalo specific protein uh, generally the in the west where they want to clinch the species of animal it is the protein which is studied so surinarayan study data reveal that there was no soot on the pottery no pottery shred had beef specific fat because it has to be read with dirt's experiment where this fat could have been very well due to butter fat and only 12% of pottery had remnant adipose fat which could again have resulted from a transformation of the butter fat now remnant group includes sheep goat buffalo cattle deer gazelle antelopes and nilgai so these i would consider them all modified butter fat craig in 2005 found in their study that it is impossible to differentiate between the fats of common ruminants like cow buffalo goat sheep deer gazelle antelopes and nilgai particularly deer meat fat cannot be distinguished from cow or buffalo meat fat at all after the exhaust we have seen that uh, 
all these type of evidence which they used were just unimpressive. Now we will see a different type of argument used by them. They claim that there were not many sheep, goat, pig or chicken in the Harappa culture. They say that goat and sheep were not many in the Indus Valley region and that their meat was not important food item for the Indus Valley people. However, Chase had already done, already written and published a scientific study of the Harappan, these things, animals, and they had noted with inverted commas, I am quoting, the over-representation of limb portions inside the walls thus suggests that the residents of this area received cuts of mutton, that is, legs and lamb, legs of lamb, from animals initially butchered outside the walls. That means that there was an active trade or business of goat and meat and sheep meat rather than there being absent as Sunilavan and Shinde have claimed. The sheep and goat, they comprised more than a third of the bone assemblage in Chase's study. The rest two thirds included all the other wild plus domestic species. While sheep and goat had meat as their principal use, cattle and buffalo had milk and traction as their principal use. And the mere presence of cattle bones cannot mean beef consumption. Now, in the phase two of fortified city, Gola Dhoro, Harappan city, studied by Jays, a number of sheep goat, the number of sheep and goat was almost equal to the number of cattle and buffalo. That means they were very much kept for meat. Outside the fortified city, number of cattle buffaloes was twice that of goat sheep numbers. So in the rural areas, probably cattle were more. And if we further study this, their data, they find that cattle constituted only 36% of all bones. So, Another, uh, in another Harappan city of Begasra, 40% of all domestic remnant population was goat. This is almost in the same proportion as is found in modern India. And the proportion of these animals is 36.5% uh, cattle, 21% buffaloes, 28% goats, and 14% sheep in the livestock of the modern Indian population. While the cattle and buffaloes were allowed to live full natural life in Harappa culture, the goats and sheep were slaughtered once they achieved their adult weight, Chase found in their 2014 study. It has been also found by Chase that Harappans allowed the cows to live even after their milk production became very much reduced. This was in contrast to other ancient civilizations like ones in Europe, where cows were slaughtered 
once their milk production became less, they noted. So in the red, I quote from Chase 2014, despite these uncertainties, it is clear that the goat and sheep eaten at Bagasra were primarily raised for meat, while cattle and buffalo were raised primarily for secondary products. Secondary products means traction, milk, leather. So the thing is that what these authors have claimed, there were earlier reports reporting just the opposite of what they have said. But unfortunately, media attention is never given to publications like Chase's publication. Now, Suri Narayan et al. deny the presence of domestic pig in Harappa culture. This claim is wrong because many scientists have reported domestic pig bones along with wild bones from the Harappa sites. And these bones are quite distinguishable from each other and both have been reported. So we cannot say that this these pig bones identified by these zoologists were misidentification. In fact, Larson, who is a specialist of pig domestication uh, evolution worldwide, he is not only pioneer, but also uh, the most uh, researches have been done by uh, his group. So, he wrote that presence of an Indian domestic pig sequence within the cluster of phylogenetic geographically differentiated wild boar lineage from India indicates existence of yet another independent domestication event and supports claim for pig domestication in India. So clearly, pig was domesticated in the Indus Valley civilization and it was present there in large numbers and consumed. Chase, in, a, in his study of uh, 2010, reported in Gola Dhoro, 14% of skeletons came from pig. And in Bagasra, 10% of skeletons came from pigs. So that means it is a good number, actually. Now we go to another page of uh, Surinara's article. They write that only 2 to 3% of faunal remains were from non-ruminant. Non-ruminant means domestic pig, wild boar, chicken, jungle fowl, duck, rabbit, hare, porcupine, tortoise, many bird species like pheasant, squirrel, etc. So only 2 to 3%. This is clearly wrong because we have just noted that Chase found in their study it was 10%, and in another city it was 14%, uh, only pig only. Now, see the green, what they have written. Although delta 13C values of several vessels are consistent with established values of chicken adipose fats, yet these authors counted them as beef because. Why? Because in the red underlining, you the presence of domesticated chicken in the Indus civilization is uncertain, and 
early reports confirming its presence are questionable given recent genetic studies. So they say that uh, it is questionable and therefore they should be considered beef fat. And they cite four authors. So what I did, I just downloaded the papers of these authors and studied them, what they have written. And I find that all the four authors whom Surya Narayan cite as if opposing uh, presence of uh, uh, chicken in India, they have in fact supported the domestication of chicken in India. So Leo et al. say that uh, it is a big paragraph, but I read the last line in red. We support the theory of multiple origins and South and Southeast Asia. So this witness went hostile to Surinara. This is a first class example of citation abuse. They cite something which was ne never written by an author. Then I went into Kangana Kudru article, and they again are hostile to uh, Surinarayan's claim. They say that support and independent domestication of chicken in India, and I have quoted from them a paragraph, but I will read the red uh, uh, line words. We found evidence of domestication of Indian birds from GG Spedicius and GG Gaulus, as well as from GG Murgi. So they conclude that the chicken populations have undergone population expansion, especially in Indus Valley. That means that population of chicken had expanded in the Indus Valley civilization rather than they were absent. Another, I mean, the third citation uh, which they were writing, this also very much not only supported the origin of uh, chicken, India being one of the places of origin of chicken, but also they mentioned from a Chinese, ancient Chinese literature that at 1400 BCE, Chinese monks returned to China with Indian chicken. And the fourth author again said that several local domestication events in South Asia Southwest China and Southeast Asia were identified. So all these four, which they cited that they say that chicken is not present in the Harappa civilization, they are just saying just the reverse. So, I mean, I don't want to use hard words, but I would consider it a, a very poorly done thing. They probably didn't read these articles, just cited. Upinder Singh and Possel, both and many other authors have written that chicken was exported to Mesopotamia from Harappa region. So Harappa was a huge place for uh, production of chicken meat during the Bronze Age. And there is a large number of bibliography which support the domestication of chicken during the uh, Harappa culture breeding and export and i'm not going into detail of all those
why such a wild claim was made with such a bad evidence such a poor evidence they had to manipulate so much so why make such claims at all what is the motive now see this map the blue colored locations are of those people uh, those populations who can digest milk that is they can drink milk and they won't get diarrhea it is most commonly found it is due to a gene which is called lactase persistence gene and found mostly in the northern and west northwestern europe but it is also found in northwest india and from india it seems to have migrated to arabia and east africa as well as west africa so this is a very important gene and it is not found in chinese in a good proportion and they cannot uh, digest milk and therefore they hate milk they don't drink milk now suri narayan's article also says that out of the 122 pot, uh, pot shreds only four gave evidence of milk consumption that means mostly people did not drink milk and they mostly kept cow only for its meat that is what they have written but we have to see it vis-a-vis -vis other articles now i take you to another article herders of indian and european cattle they share their predominant allele so lactase persistence what it means is the lactase lp gene which is found in india is exactly the same as the one found in europe and this article was uh, written by many indian authors like gyaneshwar chobe basu malik lalji singh kumar swami david reach was its uh, most prominent star they say that there are only three possibilities one possibility is that this lrh this particular gene also called lrh it originated in south asia india and is spread westwards to europe or second possibility it originated in europe and is spread to india and a third possibility is neither europe nor india but either in central asia or in fertile crescent that means uh, uh, syria turkey region and from there this gene is spread both to europe and to india and this gene can become advantageous only after people started domestication of cattle and drinking milk only then this will provide any benefit otherwise it will not be useful out of the three choices which choice they choose they claim that in europe the process of keeping uh, dairy etc was roughly 2000 years earlier than it happened in south asia that is what they claim and the earliest evidence of cattle herding they use the word herding 
in South Asia comes from Indus Valley, Mehargarh, 7,000 YBP. Now, BP means before present. So that means 5,000 BC. And if herding is at 5,000 BC, this will take another 1,000 years to domesticate them. So about 4,000 or 3,000 BC, Indian started using milk, whereas the Europeans were using it at 7,500 BP, meaning 5500 BC. So here they write, it is therefore plausible that from Europe, the Alil subsequently spread into Central Asia, Near East, Pakistan, and India. And this was, this introduction was a part of major migratory event. And at least this Alil was introduced to the subcontinent at least some migrants definitely came on the right hand side column and so this is again a support of aryan invasion theory now this article was published in 2012 and to support it surinarayan et al provided the archaeological evidence of this that milk was not consumed up to Bronze Age, that is up to 2000 BC in Harappa, they are concocting the evidence so that this David Rich's previous work can get a support from archaeology. But are they citing the correct date? This date of uh, herding at 7000 YPP? No, certainly not. Mido who was the who has been uh, referred here in their article um, 1993 Mido himself writes the decrease in the size of cattle goat and sheep which occurs after domestication also appears to have taken place starting in the 6th or even 7th millennium BC Mido presented the radiocarbon dates of Mehargarh, and you find on the right side this one ticked one is 9385 BP before present. And this these dates were calibrated, but unfortunately, this particular date, 9300, could not be calibrated. It is saying NA. And so just by reducing 1950, it has been converted into 7,400 uncalibrated BC. Now, what is calibration? The carbon dioxide concentration varies over time. So whatever the carbon-14 date comes, it needs to be calibrated on the basis of the past carbon dioxide levels in air. And therefore, the period becomes longer. So I tracked another book by Mido. I could get only snippet view. This again, same figure 9385 plus minus 120 BP. The, the sample name is beta 1721. And here again, it says NA that is calibration not available. So just 
they have changed it into uncalibrated BC. I go to Jarij, who was a co-excavator with Mido, Jarij and Mido, and he stayed at Mehargarh longer than Mido. So he also says about this particular figure, 9385 plus minus 120, such dates when calibrated are therefore for some of them well before 7000 BC. And he also confirms that communities were involved as early as 8th millennium BC in domestication of cereals such as barley, uh, and domestication of local violence. Let us see more, more reports. Fossil, who is also a scholar of Indus Valley Civilization, written several books. He also presented in 1993 in his book. And what he did, he obtained the calibration of this particular date, 9385 plus minus 120. And he got a large number of dates. Usually such experiments give a large number of dates. And he mentions in the end that the central point is 8420 BC. And this was also a time when Mido has written not only in one article, but in several articles and books that most of the cattle found at that time were domesticated, domesticated by their shorter size. They could be said to be clearly domesticated. I also calibrated it with the facility, IOSACAL facility available online. And I got several dates, the middle point of which is 8,721 calibrated BC. So, Certainly, the date claimed by Reach Group that 7000 BP, not BC, BP, was date of herding is another way of fraud or academic fraud or deceit used by them. Now, let us see some more works. After they had published their work in 2012, Matheson found. He, what, what Matheson did, he uh, just got the bones, ancient bones, 4,000, 5,000 years old human bones from Europe, Central Asia, several places, and extracted their DNAs and found that this LP gene occurs in Europe only after 2000 BC, whereas uh, Reach and Ganeshwar Chobe a study which I have uh, earlier mentioned claimed 5,500 BC or 7,500 YBP years before present. It was present there and sweeping in every every individual. So that has been proved wrong by direct evidence obtained from the ancient bones. Another author, Alan Toft, he also published in Nature same year, and he also studied the ancient bones, human bones of Europe, and found that, but not lacked in, I have underlined in the red, we also demonstrate 
that the light skin pigmentation in European was already present in high frequency in Bronze Age. They were dark skinned, Europeans were dark skinned up to 5000 BC or Neolithic period. But when Bronze Age came, about 2000 to 3000 BC, they acquired the white skin gene from southern part of Asia but not lactose tolerance, indicating a more recent onset of positive selection or uh, this dairy farming and drinking milk, all these things. So uh, now we go, so this is a direct evidence. Now we go to another evidence. Vardugo is a scientist who collected cattle bone from a large number of area, Anatolia, Balkans, Central Asia, Georgia, Iran, etc. And they found that Indian cattle DNA was present in, although in very small frequencies, in those regions, in Anatolia, Balkans, etc., in about 8,000 years before present. But at about 4,000 years before present, their numbers of the Indian cattle was indicus genes increase very much in all these areas and they replace the original cattle of this whole area. That means because cattle cannot migrate by their own, they need to be taken by their masters. So that means that there was an outflow of Indian population with their cattle towards Iran, Iraq, Syria and Central Asia. This is indirect evidence of human migration out of India. And art also, as far distant as in Africa, we found, find this humped cattle, which is of Indian origin in several cave paintings. And Gilgamesh, 2002 years old, it also has got a hump on which a foot is being put by Gilgamesh before killing it. Freeman studied the DNA of uh, African as well as uh, Arabian, European cows and found that Indian DNA has introgressed or hybridized most of them. And many of the African cattle are actually Indian. They are those in dark color. And also in art, etc., we find a large number of hump, but hump has been wrongly made here on the neck during the Bronze Age. Chen in his genetic study found that all the zebu cattle, all the humped cattle of the world have originated from South Asia, that is India. And Cantonen in his genetic study found that Ukrainian and Central Asian cattle are hybrid of Indian Zebu. So there is enough evidence that the European cattle and gene did not come to India, but rather Indian cattle and gene went towards Europe. Now, I would like to emphasize that they create false articles, they get it published, and nobody contradicts them. And then later on, a book may be published, 
which will cite all these as if these have been proved. So I will put another example before you. Kavita Gangal. She was guided for this article by Vasant Shinde, who is a very famous archaeologist. She wrote in this article that Gesher, Gesher is in Israel. So in Israel, about 11,000 years before today, cultivation started and about 0.65 kilometer per year speed, it started coming to India and it reached India about three to 4,000 BC. Now the dates she gave, I calibrated and I found that uh, the date which she gives is wrong, actually. Calibrated Calvici age is 9,600. Also, I found that the site which she claimed had cultivation that old time, that was a bogus claim. At that time, it was a hunter's area and the people have, had lived there for 50 years only. After that, the hunter society abandoned that site and not a grain of barley or wheat was found there. So this was a totally wrong claim that at Gesher cultivation started and from there it came to Harappa. Now, on the basis of all these articles, what happens that this is a page from David Rich's book, 127. He writes, Around 5,000 years ago, local farmers succeeded in breeding these crops about Harappa, he is writing, to adapt to monsoon summer rainfall. 5,000 years ago means 3,000 BC. Uh, they started cultivating barley and wheat. And at that very time, what happened? The Chinese monsoon summer rainfall crops of rice and millet also reached peninsular India around 5,000 years ago. So the history of cultivation of rice, wheat, barley in India is already 5,000 years old. That is what he, he said. But we have already seen, and I have not gone into the details, but there are, is evidence that about at 9,000 BC, we were cultivating barley at least, and also some wheat possibly. And at 7,000 BC, we were cultivating rice in India. So there is a theft of 5,000 years from Indian history. And this is how they achieved their aims. And now the title of the book becomes clear, David Rich's book, how he got there, how he reached these conclusions. So I, after studying all these, about more than 100 such bungled and fraudulent claims and studies and publications by these authors, I wrote a book, which is Origin and Spread of Domestication and Farming. It is available in various forms quite cheaply. And it lists with evidence how, uh, what the truth was and what they have written and maintained. Thank you. Is the uh, lactase 
resistance. Is it mm-hmm. called intolerance or resistance? Whatever it is. Is it peculiar to one species like Bos indicus? I, in the sense that one person might be uh, resistant to Bos indicus milk, but may not be resistant to some other strain. One. No, lactose, lactose is a sugar and it is found in human milk and every milk. So, under natural circumstances, a human infant can digest it up to one or two years of age. But after that, he can't digest it. Now, because of this gene, lactase persistence gene, lactase is the enzyme which digests it. So, lactase, if it persists into the adult life, which is called lactase persistence gene, and uh, it helps digest milk even during the adult life, but it is not present in uh, everybody in the world. So, you are arguing that this this is the reason for what? I did not quite catch the connection between that. The thing is, the Suridharan article claims that uh, if you read the whole article, you will find that out of 122 pottery, only four showed evidence of milk use. That means the Harappa people did not use milk, did not drink milk. Because and therefore? And therefore, by implication, it means that possibly they were not able to digest it. That's why they were not consuming it. Now, another article says that this gene came to India from Europe, 2012 article, which I discussed. If you mix both the results from Surinarayan and from Romero et al. earlier article, you can say that after the end of Harappa civilization, this gene came to India from Europe with Aryan invasion. But unfortunately, ancient DNA studies have ruled out any such possibilities because they have proved that this particular gene reached Europe quite late. The Human Genome Project of the UN have given out roots where the uh, haplogroups migrated and Mm -hmm. in what sequence. Mm -hmm. So that the Human Genome Project of the UN if you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you've done more study than me, I'm just talking of a layman's perspective. Uh-huh. Whatever. The Human Genome Project to the UN says that it leads to, uh, of course, in those days there was no India as such. It was the, it was the Gondwana land, and before that the Pangaea. Uh, mm-hmm. So the part of that we call India now, part of Pangaea and Gondwana land, Gondwana those days. It was. It is now coming to be an out-of-India theory, migration theory, OIT. Not the Aryan invasion, which was qualified by the Aryan invasion, by the Aryan migration. Now it is actually the other way around, out-of-India theory. So how much does this corroborate with that, the out-of-India theory? Uh, no, actually, uh, there are quite a few loopholes in what you said. Firstly, there is no study by UN, but... Uh, UN, was, UN, United Nations, Genome Project. Ah, no, no. Genome Project is 
supported by National Geographic and Genographic Project. And all. it is an international project, but United Nations is not involved in it. But yes, it is a very reputed and famous project, which points to the fact that people came from Africa to India. And it is from India that they migrated to anywhere else. Uh, from uh, India, Europe, and everywhere, in, including Americas. But the thing is that uh, this Gondwana land and Pangaea thing also will not come here under discussion because uh, that time was still very, very old when even any human being was not present on Earth. Uh, that time is the time when most of the modern animals were just evolving. So uh, it is a mix-up of your question is unfortunately mix-up of uh, quite a few things. So yes, I think I have replied to you. So in all of this, uh, I just want to know how many genomes, ancient genomes we have from India. Ancient human genomes we have from India. Ancient human genomes, only one, Rakhi Gadi. And uh, actually, uh, deep politics. I will not like to talk on that. How is it possible that 150 individual bones were set, sent to them, to the labs, and only one result could be obtained? So it is very frustrating. Sorry, but this is the fact. Yes. Uh, so. Uh, I mean, there, is, there has been no systematic survey, in other words, of the entire Harappan area showing that they predominantly ate this type of animal or that type of animal. Am I correct in assuming that? And uh, what they present is uh, does not support their conclusion. The evidence they present in the paper does not support their conclusion. So they have a problem. So have you written to the uh, editors of these journals? saying that there are these problems and what has their response been if you have written to them? See, these people are very stubborn. When original that milk protein migration gene theory they wrote in 2011 or 12, I wrote to uh, the corresponding author and uh, of the team and he just, uh, I said that Mido has given this date BC and you are saying BP, so 7000. So, by converting BC into BP, you are reducing the age by 2000 years. Uh, so, your reference uh, to Mido just needs to, you need to just correct your um, this whole thing, and then the direction of migration will change from India to Europe. Then uh, Kivisild, he was Kivisild, Thomas Kivisild. He replied to me that, uh, well, uh, Fuller says so, and Fuller things like that, another author he quoted. But this author, Fuller, was not cited in their original article. So once I raise an objection, then they bring Fuller. Now, Fuller's article was also full of mistakes and manipulations. So if I do that, they will bring another third. So I understood that they are not going to listen. In, in a similar way, I once in science, I wrote a letter 
mentioning about their manipulations of genetic data and they agreed to put it on the e letters not as karuganda or anything but e letters so it it needs a lot of effort so what i do i generally put my things in my blog which is visited by about 50 to 100 people from all over the world and thus and these authors also i put them in their emails also so they later on try to modify their things in such a way that they cannot be caught this is what is happening so uh, in all these papers that you have criticized there have been indian co-authors as well correct there have been indian Pardon? co-authors as well yes, there have been yes. indian co-authors as well in all these papers that you criticized so my question is how much of this high end genetic work uh and you know all the uh, carbon dating and everything is done in india in india a lot of uh, this can be done in, in tata institute of fundamental no, no. research that is not my point it can be done but the point is in these papers where was this work done where was this high end sequencing and uh, biochemistry work done that is the question see it varies from particular work to work and uh, sequencing uh, particularly rakhi gadi was done in a korean lab and th- two labs were involved but the result came from korean lab but uh, that is uh, not the main thing main thing is that if some author is manipulating clearly my i mean it is very obvious after reading the paper or the citations that is my question i do not challenge the sequencing part but the fact remains that we lack the capacity to do these high end analysis for the most part that's what yeah. that's the feeling yeah. i get from these papers yeah true true yeah okay so uh, i mean i would suggest that you put your criticism not on your blog not only on your blog but also on a place called pub peer which criticizes which is a formal area where th- these criticisms are placed Okay, so that can also respond live okay. rather than on your personal blog. Okay, yeah. thank you. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. Sir, Namaskar. This is Arafat, sir. Ah, Namaskar, Arafat ji. A brilliant paper, sir. Must congratulate you on this, sir. Thank you, thank you. And a couple of questions to the layman, sir. Could you please reflect, uh, elaborate more about this uh, cut on the bovine? and why this talk about the bovine and porcine uh, meat at this point of juncture in indian uh, flow of events what is whatever is happening in the country and uh, if proven that your theory is is correct and i feel very convinced about it why not bring it to a bigger platform sir yes arafat ji i must confess that i i didn't take your name but uh, i had asked you about this cut marks and you had confirmed that without cutting into pieces the cattle bones cattle meat cannot be cooked and this gave me a very strong evidence and actually this was requested to be in july but unfortunately i did not see that message and i only one week back 
I was seeing into the Facebook Messenger, and uh, uh, then I replied that okay, I'm ready to deliver a talk on this. So, actually, it is a fault on my part, not. It's placing today is not uh, does not have any other motive. And what else you asked, Arafatji? Yes, sir. You asked and, something. Uh, what does it prove, sir? If proven that they were not uh, into bovine meat consumption, what does it prove? Were they somewhere related to the Sanatan Dharam, the the Harappan people? No, it it doesn't prove anything. I showed you that actually. This thing has been done with an intention of uh, supporting the Aryan invasion theory indirectly, not Sanatan Dharma or any particular religion. I mean, that will be another article, another lecture on which that can be focused. But here, it is just the meat, just the food part, and, and the wrongly botched up research, which I wanted to point out. Their dishonesty of the scholars. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, sir. You are welcome. Thank you. My basic question is that uh, at least two authors or two papers you have referred to where you have shown that they have washed up for whatever reason and the dates are wrong. And I remember seeing a slide in your presentation where they say, where you said that 5,000 years have been stolen. Why some people would be trying to do this that they are trying to reduce the duration or or or, or of Indian civilization or or this particular civilization. What what's your what's your uh, conjecture or theory around that? If you can if you can shed some light on that. I mean Eurocentricism. There is a word known as Eurocentricism. Right. So they really feel hurt. Some people, not all. Most of the authors which I have cited in my support are Western authors. 90% of them is very good, but there is a specific group of Harvard presided over by David Reach, which is indulged in opposing Indian history. Probably he personally takes it as a matter of pride or some, some distorted racist feeling that uh, they would get insulted if something migrated from India to Europe. And uh, so it is sad. I can only say um, they shouldn't do it, but it is sad. And that is what they are doing. It is really unfortunate that, you know, uh, these kind of papers are coming out. And as you, as you rightly pointed out that later on, people will reference them as if they are yeah, correct. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. A few, at about two or three years back, I listened to a lecture by the head of the Department of Archaeology, Deccan College, mm -hmm. and they were discussing the Rakigadi findings mm -hmm. uh, along the Saraswati Basin. What you have now discussed, is it applicable to the, the entire stretch which now will possibly be called the Sindhu Saraswati civilization? Or is it only applicable to Mehrangad? What about the other sites? No, they were having a similar culture. Harappa civilization is very big, very big civilization. And uh, part, there must have been local district-wide 
variations but mostly type of culture is the same the type of pottery the type of inscriptions and all everywhere it is a huge civilization so it should be applicable like chawal ka ek dana kha ke you can say that what the chawal is something like that but of course variations will be there from one place to another this resistance by the eurocentric 10% people studying this this is purely a racial bias what is the uh, because in this this uh, cascades into a whole lot of other things also this overall feeling of superiority and that we gave you whatever you got and things like that is it uh, what is the overall if they are actual archaeologists or uh, uh, researchers why this particular feeling i don't understand if you are if agnostic to other things and you just doing research what is the reason for this see most of the authors uh, they are honest and uh, their number if i go on telling you it, it will be hundreds of them and it is only the european authors or american authors which provide evidence to me in my support so i cannot say that all are racist all are bad or all have got a superiority feeling but the problem is that uh, one particular group which has got a power you know huge amount of money at their disposal you can't imagine i think millions hundreds of millions of dollars and they have a power to grant fellowships so that they can buy even indian scholars to to sign a co-authorship with them and then they do it so this is only one group but that group is very powerful very powerful and whoever writes against them even western authors they are never published like underhill he wrote against their wishes and he, now his works are not published anymore just one or two publications adcock who wrote about australian lm3 gene lake mungo 3 dna and he was never published again his life ends so power over the publishing houses the publishers of the scientific journals and the peers who review those articles and approve they have got a control over them and this is how my articles are ne- never published they can never be published if i send them to science or nature because the people who review these articles for quality for publishing they will reject it as soon as they will read the abstract or or the heading they will not go into the merits of the article uh, this is a fact and uh, we can't change it easily since you are a medical doctor which i presume you are mm-hmm. the 
Bosyndicus milk, the A1, is mm-hmm. supposed to be the least harmful or the best for the human body. So mm-hmm. why didn't the Bosyndicus become the predominant species uh, and overtake the others? The Jersey and the others proliferated much more than the Bosyndicus. Only recently, the Bosyndicus is coming back to its own. What is the reason for Boss Indicus not being? It is because of the climate. Because Boss Indicus cannot tolerate cold climate. It dies in cold climate. Whereas the Boss Taurus is adapted to cold climate and it will die in the hot climate. So, Her Bringer of Doom is a book. You can search it on the internet and it is, its PDF is available free also. So what happened in Bronze Age when there was drought everywhere, including in this very civilization, which ended the civilization, Boss Indicus proliferated more because there was drought and the Taurus started dying. And uh, this was, uh, Boss Indicus was taken to Iran and uh, up to even Balkans, Turkey, everywhere. And uh, at from the Bronze Age, you find a sculpture of cattle all showing a hump. So it, it is largely climate dependent. And India is the most suitable climate for Boss Indicus. Africa, Boss Indicus has dominated Africa. 90% of African cattle is now Boss Indicus. In South China, in Southeast Asia, this is all Boss Indicus. Highland, uh, Indonesia, everywhere, it has uh, spread widely. And the A1 milk is the best milk, am I right? Of course. Uh, and I mean, um, it is basically, there was a research which showed that even the taurine cattle have adopted, borrowed Bos indicus genes uh, for the milk protein. So those European cattle which provide a good quality milk, they have got hybridized in the past and they have retained some of the Bosyndicus genes in them. And there is a, all these is available in different published articles available on the net.